In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash. And I'm Mike Bobbitt, and this is Ideal Remake. Sam, this is going to be my best intro yet because we have a broadcast professional on the show. So uh, hit the singer for us one more time, Rebel Spies. Today we're talking about a 1985 cult classic, Clue, and here's a special tie-in with our episode. The motorist in the movie is played by the guy who played the deputy in Jaws 1 and 2, and our guest today is in a movie that rivals Jaws 3D for quality shark movies. That's right, our guest is in Sharknado. He's also a comedian, host and creator of the hugely popular Trivia with Bud podcast, television producer for Ridiculousness and Crash Leets. He's a husband and a father, but most importantly, he's my friend Ryan Buds! Yay! Hey. That was the best intro I've gotten in the history of podcasting. That was a really good <laughs> intro. Well, you know. I was most uh, excited when you said the, the motorist from Clue was in Jaws. I was like, he was. He was. I know you've told it before, but will you tell the story of how you got in Sharknado? Of course. I'll tell you also, I am the singing telegram uh, person in Clue. A lot of people don't know that. I, I <laughs> thought I recognized her. I thought you were Gene Weedland from the Go-Go's. <laughs> yeah, I used to be a smaller woman. I moved to L.A. in um, October 2012, so I've been out here about five years with my wife. And uh, at the time, we had no kids. We were recently married a year before, and I entered a contest at Flappers Comedy Club, won the contest, and the prizes in the contest were a $500 cash prize, which was great, especially when I had just moved here, um, a limo ride that I could use in Burbank, California on Monday or Tuesday before noon, which I have yet to cash in, and I don't think the company exists anymore. And... The third thing was a walk-on role in a Asylum movie. And Asylum's the company that makes a lot of those schlocky sci-fi channel original movies. And uh, I walked across the street from the Comedy Club Flappers in Burbank to Asylum. And I said, hey, I won this comedy contest. And they're like, we don't know anything about a contest. They're like, but we can kill you off in our next shark movie. It's, it'll be fun. And I said, okay. And someone had told me, they're like, can you, uh, when you get out to LA, make sure to ask to be a production assistant on something. They're like, that's your into the industry. So I was like, hey, can I be a production assistant on Sharknado or on, on this shark movie? And they were like, yeah, you're hired, $100 a day. And I was like, oh, Oh, sweet. It was a really cool circumstance to win the contest, get in this movie that I didn't know anything about, and then get a seemingly job offer for 20 days and about two grand. So that was kind of cool. That is pretty great. After about five days, they forgot that I had won any kind of contest because I was literally <laughs> picking up garbage. And they were like, yeah, go pick up more garbage. And then I, I had to keep reminding them like, hey, I'm supposed to get killed one of these days. And finally, this dude from Fangoria Magazine showed up to write an article about the movie. And they were kind of putting makeup on his arm to make him look like a shark attack victim on a beach. And I said, hey, can you guys throw some, some makeup on me and I can be in this scene? too and that could be my kill scene they're like yeah we'll put it on your leg so that was I, I really had to like talk myself into it talk them into putting me in the movie and then yeah they, the set photographer took this picture of me with my shirt off covered in blood screaming uh, looking like I'm missing a leg and that image was the image that was used for all the different bloggers and newspapers and things that wrote about that movie when it blew up over the summer nine months later so there were really kind of boring publicity shots of like Tara Reid in a doorway or like Ian Ziering with uh, a boat but there was only like one dude covered in blood with a shirt off so they used that for everything it was on the cover of the LA Times. It was like, movies of the weekend, World War Z and Sharknado, and it was me and Brad Pitt, which was pretty <laughs> sweet. And uh, so my title, my, my character, if you if you can call it that, for three seconds on screen was Beach Victim Number 1. But it is one of those things that follows me around everywhere, and I've gotten to do like a million morning shows and radio shows, and I've got a lot of stand-up gigs literally from that credit. So it... I know you could book as a special event. Yeah, from... yeah. And, and like, and like it really works for me. Like, lately, I'll use it. It's so weird. I, I used it a little bit when it first happened, but like, 
I didn't really know how to to like harness it in the right way. But now that I have this trivia company and I host all these pop culture trivia events, like when you go like, oh yeah, and our trivia host was in Sharknado, people are like, what? Like it's it's like a weird, it's like a credit that right. works, works perfect for like the trivia industry. You know what I mean? Well, you know, and I'll tell you this too, that when I got back to Michigan, we went to a trivia night here with some friends and I was so bummed out that the production value of yeah. trivia is nowhere near what you do with oh, the thanks. trivia with Bud's brand. Like you have a multimedia experience and the people that you have hosting when you are not able to, you, you just pick the good, you have a lot of comedians hosting for you sure. when you're and not you, able to do it. You did it for me a few times. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. That means a lot. Yeah. My, my favorite compliment to get is when people go, I got a, I got a text yesterday. Somebody forwarded me a text that said, dude, we got to go play trivia at this place. Or, or no, I can't wait to play trivia with you guys again. I played at another place and the host sucked compared to Bud's. So like when people send me texts like that, I'm like, oh, thanks. Like, uh, I don't know who that other person is, but I'm glad you think I'm more entertaining than them. You know what I mean? Well, I just love everything you do with making it a video presentation as well, too. It would translate so easily into a television oh, show. Yeah, oh, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate that. Do you guys feel like uh, stand up comedy is in a boom right now or a down? I'm not a stand up. So, yes, <laughs> I feel like it has changed considerably since I left Michigan. I was saying on a show the other night when I left, everyone looked like an accountant. And when I came back, everyone looks like they're in the band. It's <laughs> such a funny. young scene now. And it's a yeah. lot of like really good comedians. So yeah. I think artistically there's a boom, but I can't remember. Did you start in Chicago or did you start in LA? You started in Chicago. Yeah, I started in Chicago in okay. 06, but I was reading an article recently that said like the, the, the stand-ups never, it, it's bigger than it's ever been. And I'm like, I don't feel like that's true at all. And now I myself am removed from doing a lot of stand-up because I have all these trivia gigs to get to. But I don't know, besides Netflix, I, I don't see like a ton of stand-up in your face every day online. You know what I mean? I feel like the working class for stand-up is gone away where there's no way I could make a living as a road comic anymore. But before I moved to LA, I did. Right. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'm thinking too. Cause I'm like, you don't hear about a lot of road comedy anymore. It's all, it's like, if you don't have a Netflix special, that's kind of like, that's like the new, you know, uh, Carson and all that stuff to have a, to have a Netflix special. I'm, again, I'm not a stand up, but like the one thing I hear about is, do they have a Netflix special? Like that is literally the bar that even I hear like, Oh, this person, they're going to have a Netflix special soon. Oh, okay. Then they're something. Yeah. Right. Do you guys want to hear the other two movies that are coming out that I'm, that I'm also in? Yes, absolutely. Yes. I think this summer or fall, I was in a movie. There's a movie called Straight Outta Compton, the NWA movie. You know that movie? Oh yeah, you've been talking. I, you, I know this. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I was in a, a movie called Snake Outta Compton and I play a reporter that wears a snakeskin looking blazer the whole time. I don't know how much of the movie I'm in, but I have the first line in the trailer. Which that is, is pretty insane. cool. My favorite thing about your podcast too is that you have a lot of guests on who are from so many crazy different branches of entertainment and you have a lot of the filmmakers from these kind of movies on as well. It's such a good listen. What's the guy from Parks and Rec? I'm blanking on his name. I was just thinking about him today. Jim O'Hare. Yeah, Jim O'Hare. I ended up watching the movie that Jim O'Hare... You had Jerry on the show? Yeah, he had Jerry. Jerry's great. I watched the movie that he was promoting when he was on the podcast too. It was fun because he was the lead in the movie. Did you happen to catch me in that movie? I'm in it for a second. You are? Where are you? At the very end, he's on a talk show that he's trying to get to the whole movie and I'm the guest. I'm I'm the guest on the couch next to him. No way. I didn't even realize that. (laughs) I haven't seen it yet for all the places it's available to watch. I just have never sat down to watch it yet, but I, I believe that I made the final cut. Yeah, it's streaming and that scene is definitely in it. I'm excited too because Tracy Walter, who is my favorite character actor, plays a really yeah. weird ventriloquist priest in it. <laughs> yeah. Everything about that movie was right up my alley and I cannot believe I haven't actually watched it yet. Oh, you should. It's streaming someplace. That's where I watched it. I'm like Tom Cruise. I don't watch any of my movies. Well, I understand. If I'd made the mummy, <laughs> I wouldn't watch it either. <laughs> hey, yeah, boy. So let's talk about Clue, guys. 
Choice. This is a movie that you guys both own on DVD. So what was your first experience with Clue? Ooh, this is actually a really good question because I don't know the very, I couldn't tell you the very first time I watched it. I want to say seventh, eighth grade, probably rented it from a Hollywood video because it had a cool cover and I'm like, oh, the board game, you know, something like that. Right. This movie came out in 85, which was the year I was born. So I didn't probably see it until I would guess 95 minimum, probably 98, something like that. We, I, I, there was a time from 95 to nine, to 2000, I rented a lot of tapes from video stores. My mom probably dropped me off at Oakland Mall to go see it at the movie theater with Bill Appleton while I was in high school. I think I also saw it when I was in high school. I had a friend who kind of realized I hadn't seen a lot of like the Futurama Simpsons Family Guy style things. And he just showed me TV shows and movies and everything. And I'm still friends with this guy, Brad Boltman. The only reason I have any knowledge of some of these really good 80s movies is because of him. Well, what is it about the movie that you guys like? Because it's kind of a strange throwback theatrical farce and it seems kind of odd to appeal to a couple of 10 year olds. So what is it about Clue that made it a movie that you both said, oh, I got to own that on DVD? I will tell you that I, so I'm the youngest of five. I have two older brothers and an older sister and uh, they're tw- 10, 12 and 14 years older than me. So they were constantly recommending stuff that they, you know, enjoyed as kids, stuff like Airplane, Eddie Murphy, Delirious, things that were way before my time. And by the time I got, you know, to be a young adult, uh, I was looking for that kind of stuff to consume. So I think that they were like, oh, he'd probably like Clue. So I'm sure I got a recommendation from from somebody in my family that was like, oh, this is this is kind of your style of humor. And uh, the other biggest connection was I was reading a lot of books as a kid, Goosebumps, Fear Street, anthology series, stuff like that. And there was a Clue book series. Do you, either of you guys know about the Clue book I series? I don't know. That's a no. first for me. It was, I think they did 25 or 30 of them. And they, it was like a young adult series. They were probably like 150 pages each, like a Goosebumps book size book. And it was like a bunch of mini stories. So it would be like 10 or 12 mini stories with the six main characters and you had to figure out the mystery. You know, it was like a five-page short story. And then it was like, you know, who stole the egg from the museum? And then like you would turn the book upside down and it would give you the solution. So you had to kind of, it was just like Encyclopedia Brown. If you remember Encyclopedia Brown, oh, yeah. it was like that kind of book where it was a bunch of short stories and you had to figure out what happened. So I was familiar with the brand of Clue and the characters from those because I really liked trying to figure them out. They're kind of like logic puzzles. You know, you're like, okay, this person, it would be like this person, you know, someone ducked and left the room, but they entered the hall. So then you'd be like, okay, they couldn't have been in this room or whatever. So it was like a lot of deduction type stuff, but there were like 25 of them. Uh, and I had all of them at one point. And then I think my mom, you know, donated them or something. And then every time I see one at a thrift store, I usually pick it up. And I think I maybe have like five or six lying around my house currently. That sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm bummed I missed out on those. <laughs> yeah, they were cool. Uh, they were they were fun uh, for a young adult, like, you know, that kind of book um, that was right up my alley. And the uh, artwork on the book covers was really good. And it matched up with whatever the 90s version of Clue was. So like the board game that I had, however, the characters were drawn. That's how they were drawn in the books. It was like the same artist. I love the board game as well, playing with cousins and stuff like that at grandma's house and things. Uh, and then my next biggest connection was, so after seeing the movie and reading those books and that kind of stuff, playing the game in high school, uh, my junior year, they were like, uh, hey, we're going to do a stage version of the movie of Clue. And uh, I, like, Ooh, lost, awesome. I like lost my shit. I'm like, this is going to be so much fun. Yeah. So my we had really cool speech and theater coaches and they were like probably 30 at the time. And they were like, you know, this is what we want to do. And they loved like, you know, Mr. Show and Airplane and all the stuff that I liked. So when they wanted to do Clue. Okay, let me guess who you played. Go ahead. Uh, Sam, you can guess too. I might have an advantage because I know Ryan pretty this well. Is the hi- this was the highlight of my high school career. When people ask me like, what was uh, what was high school like? I always talk about this play. And then you were Wadsworth the butler. Wadsworth the butler. Sam, what's your guess? I mean, if it was the highlight of your high school career, I'd also guess Wadsworth. But because Mike took that already, I'm going to go with Colonel Mustard. Very good. I So I auditioned for Wadsworth the butler. 
and nailed the audition. And I was really close with the speech coaches and had told them how much I wanted to be Wadsworth. And they gave it to a senior. And oh, I was no. super oh. upset, super upset. And I was like, come on. I go, that was the role. That's what I'm supposed to do. Like, I was so mad about it. And they were like, no, they're like, I'm, we got to give it to this guy, Tony. And Tony, Tony wasn't even an actor guy. He was more of a musical guy. He did all the musicals. And I was like, this guy isn't going to cut it. And I like just didn't see it. Super upset. And they go, but we cast you as Mr. Green. And I was like, Mr. Green? I'm like, come on. I don't want to be Mr. Green. I was really down about it. I almost didn't do it. And then I, I think my parents were like, oh, oh, if you got cast, you have to do it. And I'm like, all right. So uh, I was Mr. Green in the play and it was just, it was so much fun. It was like the, the, it was like a, an amazing cast. We had a, a big set where all the, we obviously couldn't make all these different rooms. So we had different props that would, would run in and off stage. So the kids that weren't in the play would wear like show blacks and they would like hold different props up for us so that it would seem like we were in different rooms. And uh, it was tons of fun. And then we had these colorful walls that matched all our characters. And at different points, like when the cops all show up, we would slam our bodies against the walls like so i'd be on a green wall somebody would be on a yellow wall like colonel mustard and we we, we really mimicked I, I, there's no tape of it that i know of but i wish i could find a tape of it man it was so much fun we had the audience vote on who they thought the killer was every night and we would change the ending based on who they voted the most and every single we did Ooh. six different shows and every single time i got picked as the the killer um but i in none of the scenarios could i ever be the killer so they would give it to like the next most or whatever and uh but they right. told me that they go every night they go well mr green won again nice job buds or whatever and uh <laughs> Uh, it was it was it was just the most fun. I I did have to stand up in front of my entire school and uh, the teachers and my, everyone's parents and say I'm a homosexual. I feel no shame in this. I remember the story. Yeah. I as soon as you said Mr. Green, I remember you've told me the story before. Oh, yeah, so I had I had because you were one of the first guests we wanted to have on, yeah. and you knew right away that you wanted to talk about Clue, and I think that's when you told me the story. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot. But the I, I watching the movie last night, I laughed out loud. The the funniest line, the biggest laugh of the entire play would always be when Yvette the maid would say, I don't want to go upstairs by myself. Who will go with me? And Professor Plum and Colonel Mustard go, I will. I will. And I go, no, thank you. And I walk away. Uh, <laughs> I that would get like the biggest laugh every night. I laughed at that line when I was watching the movie too. When you rewatch this, Ryan, did you watch it with Annabelle? Is she old enough to appreciate it or is she still too young? Uh, she is probably too young for this movie because there's not anything animated in it. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> okay. she's, she's like, uh, whenever, there's, whenever there's too much live action, she's like not interested. Although she loves the show The Goldbergs. And the important follow-up question, Ryan, is uh, how did the senior Wadsworth do? Uh, mediocrely. I mean, he he uh. like he did he did everything they wanted him to do, but I still felt like I would have really tore it up. But I also never would imagine I had as much fun with Mr. Green. Getting those like votes from the audience every night like reaffirmed that like oh I guess I was supposed to be Mr. Green. You know what I mean? Yeah. That makes sense. My high school did Winnie the Pooh when I <laughs> yes. was a sophomore or junior. Please tell me you just wore a shirt, no pants. <laughs> I wanted to play Pooh so bad. <laughs> My first comedy album is called Mikey Pooh. Amazing. My nickname for the longest time was Mikey Pooh. You and I have shared a few pots of honey. <laughs> <laughs> right. My theater teacher gave it to Scott Kennedy, who was a senior, because he was a senior. And I was so mad that I never went out for another play for the remainder of high school. My theater teacher and I are still friends. Yeah. And I told her about that. And she felt so terrible. I was like, no, it's fine. Like, everything worked out. You know, I, I have an IMDb page. Scott Kennedy doesn't. So fuck <laughs> him. But yeah, you think you made the right choice in 1988? Fine. <laughs> I think I'm going to text. I would have nailed Pooh Bear. I'm going to text my theater teacher right now and say I'm still pissed about Wadsworth. I think I'll do that. <laughs>
Well, let's break into Clue and let's go over the plot. It takes place in 1954. Six strangers are called into a New England mansion by a person who's blackmailing them and they get involved in a murder mystery. And the movie was famous at the time because they had three different endings. Which is something no other film I think has ever done. Before yeah. or since. I was thinking as about, far as I know. I was thinking about that. How, how easy would it be for, for these Marvel movies to add three different teasers like they do with uh, you know all the Marvel movies? Just say the AMC theaters got this teaser. They pay they pay ten million for the making of just that teaser or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, doesn't that seem like Ooh. a good model to do that? And then you're like, I got to go see it at AMC so I can see. It, it would before YouTube, but now that YouTube's out, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and I guess those Marvel movies came out in 08 and YouTube came out in 05, so that that would have already counteracted that that whole movement. But I, I do feel like I mean there are certain movies nowadays like if there were certain perks, almost like special features, like when you go to to buy a movie you really want, and it's like Best Buy has the lenticular cover and an interview <laughs> with so-and-so you're like well i gotta go get it at best buy yeah i wonder if because one of the reasons that we wanted to make sure that we definitely got this done now is because it was just announced that ryan reynolds and the creative team behind deadpool are the latest in a long line of people that are supposed to make a clue reboot yeah i wonder if they'll do the same thing where they do different endings i would if if they of all the people that could do it, the, the breaking the fourth wall kind of a thing to do those different endings is is technically kind of breaking the fourth wall. So I feel like I feel like that that's that's the perfect match to do that. They should do ten different endings. I'd go see all ten. You know I, what I mean? I would certainly try. But right. do you think it might be like a, a choose your own adventure kind of thing where like at some point in the movie there's a way to vote or it, I don't know how they would do it because they talk about how there's some choose your own ending kind of movies out there and I don't know how you would compete with that sort of thing. But that it sounds like an amazing opportunity. Yeah. What do you guys think about this remake do you think the remake is going to be set in the 50s like the original clue was or do well you that was one of my questions for you guys i was thinking about that when i was thinking about because i feel like now you could just really solve a lot of oh we're all anonymous i have enough information that i can probably do a google search on my smartphone that i feel like you would probably have to set it in the 50s or something right but that's my question to you because w- we could set it in the 50s but we could also set it in the 80s or we could set it in the 20s or we could set it in the 1880s the only reason to set it in the 50s is because they have a handgun and that's one of the original pieces of the game. Yeah, I would love if they took the idea of it and they threw it in the roaring 20s and Ryan Reynolds was a Jay Gatsby type Mr. Body and was, you know, kind of like this Lothario that everybody knew all this stuff about and he invites these very exclusive guests to this party and everybody is like, we want to go, like like the whole town wants to go to this party but he only invites these six for like a very specific reason that all adds up. Well, the, the crazy thing is that I also wanted to put hmm. 20s and I also wanted to cast Ryan Reynolds as Mr. Body. Oh, interesting. Do you, did they say who he's going to play yet? I assu- I assume they're going to cast him as Wadsworth. Yeah, I mean, Wadsworth is the lead. Right. Well, I have a lot of trivia about the movie. I don't know how much of a plot there is to really go through well, because it is it's such a-, a movie based on a board game. Part of the reason that I uh, watch this movie so often and forget what happens is because it, it like almost doesn't matter. I'm just like, oh, they're fun and they're in a house, they're running around. And like the house seems so big, but when I watched it last night, I realized I'm like, they really only show like four or five rooms. You know what I mean? Here's an interesting thing too about the movie. The set was bought by the producers of the show Dynasty.
Dynasty and reused as a hotel for them. The house, the outside, the exterior, the, the house is actually in Pasadena. But it burned down. Yeah, so you can't see it anymore. That's too bad. That'd be so it's cool. It's in South Pasadena. Uh, I go to South pa- I was literally in South Pasadena today. Buds, I was listening to your podcast in South Pasadena. There you go. I go there quite a bit. Whenever I have somebody come visit, I show them all the Halloween locations. Awesome. I'm kind of surprised that we didn't do Halloween. Although Sam, as we've noted before on the podcast, has such an aversion to horror movies that we never could do Halloween. Don't like them, can't watch them. <laughs> How do you feel about the Halloween movie that's coming out? The uh, the Jamie Lee Curtis one, the, the brand new one? Yeah. I'm very excited about it. And every new picture she posts, I like it made me start following Jamie Lee Curtis on social media because I don't know, I'm a huge, huge fan of the original. I'm actually a fan of the whole series, but I think the first Halloween movie is one of the best made movies of all time. And I watch it every October at some point, And uh, I really enjoy it as a film fan. And I also enjoy it as a horror fan. I watch less horror now than I ever have. In high school, that's about all I watched was just schlocky, super gory, um, you know, 80s and 90s horror movies with a lot of those tape rentals. But uh, I really enjoy Halloween. Um, I've seen the whole series. I'm super excited about the new movie. And I, I just, I'm like, what is this movie going to be? Because it's, they keep saying it's a remake, but a reimagining, but an additional, it's like a sequel to just the original movie, which is very strange. You know what I mean? Right. So I like the idea yeah. that you're only a fan of movies that had exterior home shots shot in Pasadena. So Exclusive. you only like yep. Clue, Halloween, Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all I like. Yep. I'll pass. The new Pee Wee Herman movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Buds, you want to watch Poltergeist? Where is the house? Uh, Simi Valley? Nope. Pass. Our pass. You want to watch Home Alone? Nah, that, that house is in suburban Chicago. Pass. Right. So Wadsworth is the star of this movie. Did you guys know that Tim Curry was actually like the third choice? Was he? Who, was he? It? Who are some of the other choices? Yeah. The most notable one was Mr. Bean, Rowan Atkinson, oh, but he wasn't a well enough known star in the States at the time. A lot of people really like Mr. Bean's sense of humor. I have never found him funny. I'm a pretty big Mr. Bean fan. I enjoy uh, all iterations of, of Mr. Bean. So do I. But you know what killed it for me a little bit one time? I saw Rowan Atkinson do an interview talking about comedy and just hearing him deconstruct the Mr. Bean character. I was like, oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you ruined a joke. That, that's, that's actually the ultimate comedy. A guy, a guy deconstructing at length with his voice a character that doesn't talk. <laughs> True. I love Tim Curry, though. I I have a, a, a major man crush on Tim Curry. I think part of it is my parents wouldn't let me see Rocky Horror Picture Show. And it's like the only thing they were really conservative about. They wouldn't let me see it. My cousins, who their family last name is Weiss, loved it because Brad and Janet Weiss are the main couple in Rocky Horror. So my older cousins would always talk about how great Rocky Horror is. My parents wouldn't let me see it. So little tidbits that I would see were so forbidden that when I saw Tim Curry, Curry is Frankenfurter. I was like, oh, that man's hot. <laughs> I have a crush on Tim Curry. Nothing wrong with that. One of the first movies I rented on Netflix with the, um, like when they first did the discs in the mail, when it first came out was uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show because I had never seen it. And to this day, I'm not a fan. I I, uh, I don't know why. I think it's a lot of the same people that like Clue probably like Rocky Horror Picture Show because they do the midnight screenings where people dress up for both of them. And actually, this is kind of a, a quick anecdote. When I first moved to LA, we found out that there was a theater in Santa Monica that was showing Clue at midnight. So my wife, Ashley, and I, we went down there. We got tickets. We got in line and everybody in line was in costume. They had all the props. They're quoting the movie before we get in. And we waited for about 10 minutes and I go, this will ruin everything that I like about the movie. <laughs> I'm like, we, we have we have to leave right now. And she goes, yeah, you look pretty terrified. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we, we got to get going. I go, this is this is going to turn this movie into a Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I don't love too much. So I uh, we walked up to the, the box office and uh, the guy goes, you look like you want to 
refund? And I go, yeah, I do. And he goes, happens all the time. And I was like, wow. So that was interesting. I feel doubly bad now, too, that I knew this story, too. Now I'm kind of doing one of those sixth sense things. Yeah, we've done Where instead of realizing that you've been dead the whole time, (laughs) I realize every conversation we've had since I've told you, hey, Sam and I are going to do this podcast has been you talking about Clue. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I feel taken 10 episodes to get you on. Well, Mike, I murdered someone with a wrench last night. So let's save that one for a surprise. Really? Yeah. You've been a candlestick guy for a while now. You don't know that story. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie Fisher was originally cast as Miss Scarlet. Oh, Ooh, she would have been good. That would have been really good. I think Rowan Atkinson would have been good too as uh, Wadsworth. He just, he just would have been a different. Also, I think would have hurt the reputation of Mr. Bean just because he has to talk so much. Right. It's, a, it's your standard Charlie Chaplin, isn't it? I think he talks a little bit as Bean because he does that weird kind of like froggy kind of voice. One of his lines he says is Christmas socks. <laughs> It's such a stylized version of talking, though, that it's not like real talking. Right. There's a fourth ending to the movie, but uh, that was included in the novelization where Wadsworth killed all the victims and poisoned everyone else so there'd be no witnesses. And then at the end, the police pop in and Wadsworth recreates everything for them like he does in the other three endings. But then he locks the police in a room. He escapes in a police car. And just when you think that he got away with the perfect crime, he hears the Doberman in the car growling at him. And then they cut that, which I'm not sure why. I couldn't find any conclusive evidence on whether or not they filmed it and just never released it or if it's just in the novel. <laughs> I like that. I hope the novelization author was just like, I'm going to put my own fourth ending in this book. <laughs> It was probably like a little, uh, you know, stamp on the cover, like now with a fourth ending, not seen in theaters. <laughs> you know who did a lot of novelizations was R.L. Stein before he did Goosebumps. Really? Yeah, I, I'll have to look that up, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure R.L. Stein did uh, a lot of different novelizations. Next time I'm at my parents' house, I want to go back and find novelizations that I had. I know I had Lost Boys, oh, yeah. and just, I, and I'm going to reread them and see how they hold up. You never know. There, that's a whole podcast in itself, a novelization book club. Ooh, that might be good. That actually is a really good idea. Yeah. Guys, guys, cut that from the podcast so that we can make money on it with our own podcast. Right. <laughs> I think you have the gold yeah. mine on podcast, though, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so there's an episode of the show Psych called 100 Clues that guest stars Marty Mull, Leslie Ann Warren, and Chris Lloyd. And in it, there are a bunch of nods to the Clue movie and the episodes dedicated to Madeline Kahn, which I thought was pretty nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. And, and speaking of Maddie Kahn. I loved most of that show. I never watched it, but I really want to watch that one episode now. Uh, I have never seen the show as well, but if I feel like if you like the show Scrubs, you would like the show Psych. Is that a good assumption? I think that's a safe assumption, yeah. Right? Same kind of kind of quirkiness to it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Madeline Kahn also improvised a lot of her part, which made them expand Mrs. White in the movie, where originally it wasn't going to be that large of a part, but they just loved her so much. Well, she is really cool. I was under the impression that she really only improvised that one really big line. Like, that's the only bit of improvisation that they left in. The uh, the flames, flames on the side of my face, that one. Yeah, that was specifically called out as one of the things she improvised. Who do you think was the biggest star of the cast at the time? Ooh, that's a good question. I assume Christopher Lloyd? Well, this is pre-Back to the Future, isn't it? This is pre-Back to the Future. When did Back to the Future come out? They came out the same year, but I bet Back to the Future came out after Clue. So Clue came out in December, and Back to the Future had to have been a summer movie movie, right? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, July. Okay, so yeah, Christopher Lloyd would have been the biggest star. Interesting. Yeah. Well, here's my question to you. Has Christopher Lloyd ever made a bad movie? Uh, Angels in the Outfield? No, I like that movie. Uh, let's see. Oh, he's in a, he's been in a few, he was in Piranha 3DD, I think. 
or one of those. He was in some modern uh, remake of an old horror movie. The summer before I moved to Los Angeles, that was filming in Northern Arizona. Oh, nice. And they put out like, a, like, hey, do you want to come out and do background for free? And everyone was like, no. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He's in Piranha 3D. He's in a lot of kids' movies. Yeah, he's done quite a few of those. I feel like there's a few. <laughs> for a second, I was like, was he an apt pupil? And I'm like, nope, that's not him. <laughs> nope. <laughs> But it could have been. He's in 20 episodes of the Pamela Anderson t- television show, Stacked. Oh, what a great oh, sitcom idea. Was that about a library or a bookstore? It was. It was about a library, I think. Oh, yeah, there you go. Poor Chris. <laughs> All right, let's remake the movie Clue. I think the best place to start is probably the staff. Ryan, who were you thinking about for Wadsworth the butler? I didn't do any of the staff except Wadsworth. So okay. I thought I thought of them for a second and then I'm like, we probably won't talk about that. And then I didn't do it. But for Wadsworth... I... You guys don't understand. I recast everyone. I recast the singing telegram. I recast the chief. I recast the cop, I the will motorist. say the chief was the most cartoonish of all the characters in the entire movie. Oh, I like my choice yeah. for the for the chief. Okay, so here's my choice. My choice for Wadsworth, and this kind of just came out of nowhere. I don't think it's necessarily the greatest choice, but I was like, oh, he would probably be really good. Uh, Steve Carell. He would be. He definitely well, has Steve that Carell manic- probably would be very good. Yeah. Mike, who did you have? I have sort of a, a peculiar man crush on Tim Curry. So I went from one sexually fluid uh, musical theater superstar to another. So I went from Tim Curry to Alan Cumming, who plays the MC in Cabaret and is also Nightcrawler in the X-Men movies. I think it's a pretty good choice. Alan Cumming's actually a really good choice. Yeah, I like Alan Cumming a lot. I don't really know a lot of his work except like Nightcrawler. And was he Darth Maul or is that somebody else? No, that's uh, Ray Park. That's someone else. Ah. Uh, I get those two actors confused. He, they do look kind of similar. He's also in uh, Josie and the mm. Pussycats. What about you, Sam? My Wadsworth is Melissa McCarthy. Hmm. That's an outside the box one. Yeah, but we need someone who kind of can, can take control of the room and kind of that manic energy, but also is down to earth. And I kind of think of her character in Spy, kind of just like the running around comedy of it all while also being completely contained and real. I like uh, Melissa McCarthy for like Peacock or Mrs. White. Um, I didn't think of her at all for either of those, but she would be great in this movie somewhere for sure. I think she'd be great for Peacock. I thought Julianne Moore for Peacock, but I think Melissa McCarthy would be even better. I don't know. I had Jamie Lee Curtis for Ms. Peacock. Jamie Lee Curtis for Peacock. That could be good. She hasn't done comedy in a while. Yeah, now you're just appealing to the fact that Ryan loves Halloween. Yeah, if she had the Laurie Strode gray hair, I'd be down. I mean, you guys were talking about it earlier, and I was like just sitting on the fact that I was like, ooh, I'm going to get to see Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm going to get to say Jamie Lee Curtis. Let's just go Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, let's do it. I like that choice i went with uh for peacock on yeah. my end i went with allison janney from uh mom and, and other things i thought she would be Ooh. really great at the manic personality if they stuck with that miss peacock who's just like can't shut up and stuff and depending on when this episode comes out it could be oscar winner allison janey Ooh, allison janey would also be a really good miss scarlet yeah that would be good because she uh, uh yeah definitely if they went with the exact same kind of miss scarlet for sure i actually chose scarlett johansson right. as my miss scarlet to have a oh. real like a younger ah. character in amongst a bunch of older characters and uh and because her name is Scarlet. You and I had similar thoughts for Miss Scarlet, but like the name is too perfect. I picked Charlize okay. Theron, but I feel like we got to go with uh with Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, but I, I agree. I think ScarJo is so much better. Yeah, she is. She would just be like the, you know, the sexiest and uh and she would just be the youngest. I think she would really stand out as a good Miss Scarlet. Right. We kind of just machine gunned forward. So Miss Scarlet is Scarlett Johansson, Miss Peacock is Jamie Lee Curtis and Wad I think Alan Cummings is a is a brilliant choice. Me too. Okay. What do you guys think about the maid? I know you didn't pick one, Ryan, but well, Sam, what are your feelings first? Yvette? I think Steve Carell should be the maid. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think Steve Carell would be a very sexy maid. It's hard to not look sexy in fishnets. <laughs> I will say that every time I watch this movie, I forget how busty she's it, as she is in the movie, and I'm always kind of like, oh dear, and I pat myself with a handkerchief. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking because of her sexiness, Margot Robbie, because Margot Robbie is such an excellent actor and the epitome of sexiness as well, that I thought Margot oh, Robbie. She, she would be absolutely perfect. I don't think there's anybody better. Sam, what did you have? <laughs> I had uh, Adrian Palicki. Oh. What was she in? She's in the Orville. She's in the Orville. She was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, she played Mockingbird okay. in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She kind of has that um, co- female comic book hero figure, but she's also incredibly badass. And I picked her because of that turn that uh, Yvette has at the end where she's like, all right, they've they've seen through me. One of them knows who I am. And it's just like all of a sudden just like this kind of cool, like Adrian Palicki can play the super sexy, but I could also completely see her killing someone. But there's a, a little bit of dit to the maid that I think Margot Robbie did really well as Harley Quinn. I only know Adrian from the Orville, and she just seems so together that I don't know if I would buy her as a ditz. I think that's fair. I think Margot Robbie's a really good choice. I was trying to think of who played the maid in my high school production of Clue, and I think she was a year or maybe two years older, and she was super, like, she was perfect for the role. She was, like, a sexy, cute girl, but I cannot remember her name, so if she happens to be listening to this, send me an email (laughs) so I can try and reconnect. And send me (laughs) a picture of yourself in fishnets. Did you guys ever, we didn't talk about this, did you, I always thought, especially as a younger person, when I was in eighth, you know, seventh, eighth grade watching this for the first time, I thought the murders were actually pretty kind of scary. Did you guys think the murders were scary in this movie at all? I never saw it as a kid, so not really. No? I I mean, like, I, even the, even though they're real campy, like, the, the sneaking up behind somebody with the black glove and the weapon, I was like, this. I thought that was perfectly done for, like, exemplifying the weapons in the game. I, I guess maybe scary is not the right word. More like, they really stood out. Like, the murders in the movie were, I thought were really well done for how goofy, like, the cop is that's like, oh, these people are just having a good time. And then he gets hit with a pipe, and you're like, oh, that guy is dead. Yeah. My parents had a weird thing where I could watch rated our movies if they were rated R for violence, but not for nudity. So considering I was watching this around the same time that I was watching Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, and Sleepaway Camp, I probably yeah. found this to be diet murder. Yeah, I guess you're right. I I, I think scary was the wrong word. More like, um, I don't know, something about the black glove. And like like when you mentioned the uh, event when she's like, I think they're on to me. And then that voice is like, did they recognize you? I was like, oh, that's like a cool, like, is that a girl? Is that a boy? Who is that? You know what I mean? Right. I was thinking that on this watch certainly did. that you can't really tell if the, it's a male voice or a female voice we've been talking about recasting we haven't talked about the worst person in the movie and my opinion of that is mr body what do you guys think about that casting of mr body well you and i were kind of agreeing earlier like we both wanted it to be ryan reynolds that could be fun well, no like yeah, this is what i was I'm kinda, thinking i'm talking about the, the original mr body in the in the original clue i thought he was bad he was uh he was like a musician he was a friend of andrew dice clays who kind of stumbled into this movie he's leaving he's the singer of the la punk band fear he's also in an episode of who's the boss where he plays angela's high school boyfriend who becomes a singer of a punk band and he's kind of an abusive dick he's done a lot of character stuff i thought tying it into the fact that he is this punk rock icon would have been funny to cast green day's billy joe armstrong There you go. But you wanted Ryan Reynolds? Uh, I mean, that's who I'd picked. Uh, it sounded like Ryan had picked the same person, or did you not recast that? Oh, you know who I did? It was totally... <laughs> so I just don't... I don't like the original actor who plays Mr. Body at all. So I wanted to go some like... like Almost like a totally different direction. I picked Willem Dafoe. Oh, I like that. I like that too. Almost for his face, because if you showed up at that guy's house, or you're at the party and the guy walks in with that face, you're like, what am I... What did I just walk into? You know what I mean? Right. I picked Ryan Reynolds because... I mean, the character 
his name is Mr. Body, and especially because there's all this early press about his casting, I think it'd be really funny if we go in like, oh, it's Ryan Reynolds, and then he gets killed off right away. I just think that'd be an interesting like reversal, especially for people who aren't already familiar with the movie. That would be a good poster, like Mr. Body, and it's him with a six pack of abs, like just <laughs> displaying that That's, with like the Deadpool mask on, and it's like for Clue. You know? <laughs> That'd be pretty great. I bet Willem Dafoe wins the Oscar. So I still think it could be a cool misdirection to have Willem Dafoe as Mr. Body and then you kill him off within five minutes. Yeah. I will say that most of my choices for these recasts, like it's almost an all white cast, which I don't think would happen nowadays. And I don't think is even the right direction to go. So a lot of my choices were kind of like for character only, not for like the wide scope of the whole project. I mean, that is kind of one of the things we aim for. We try to capture like what the Zen of the character is. And I did that for a couple of these people and I have it's a predominantly white cast but that's but I I have some people of color in here I did try to be conscious of that for Professor Plum I thought David Allen Greer just because he does comedy so well and as he gets older he just seems so distinguished I was thinking I can picture him as a professor and then I was looking at his IMDB and I was like well he hasn't really played a professor he just has a professorial feel about him now I I guess that's why I thought David Allen Greer I think he'd be a good Professor Plum I think he's one of the uh, unknown character actors of our generation. I think he's so good. I agree. He throws everything of himself into a role and can do broad because, you know, he did sketch for so long, but he can also do drama. I I think he... He's a really well-rounded performer. I would love to see him be nominated for like a supporting Oscar before he dies. Yeah. I'd pick Bill Hader for Professor Plum, but I think I like David Allen Greer more. My Professor Plum was Taika Waititi. Ooh. I love that. He's good too. <laughs> I thought he would just be so, he would be so aloof and uh, with a pipe in his mouth and stuff. I thought he would just be like like a crazy frizz of hair. Similar to the dude from, what's the actor from IT crowd with the crazy frizz of hair? Uh, Richard Ayoade. Who I cast yeah. as Mr. Green. Interesting. I thought either of those would be a good Professor Plum. I thought Richard Iowada would be a good Mr. Green because I mean, one of the big thing about Mr. Green in the original, it's like, well, I'm gay. Oh, I'm going home to sleep with my wife, which is such a weird turn of the time and it doesn't really work today. Yeah. Then I feel like it'd be a lot more interesting if it's Richard Iowada, like being this like nerdy, nebbishy guy. And then like the big turn at the end is that he just like gets very stoic and all right, here's what happened. You've all been discovered and I've been working for the FBI this whole time. So it's more like the nerdy nebbishy guy, especially if that's the sort of person he's always been becoming kind of a character we don't expect from him, which is why I thought Richard Iowata would be a good Mr. Green. I was thinking Thomas Lennon for Mr. Green, but I like Richard Iowata so much more just because as we cover in Trivia with Buds, spoiler alert, I really love the IT crowd. It's an amazing show. That's true. I think you guys will like my Mr. Green. It's a little bit different, but I think that I would say this actor is the Michael McKean of the 2000s, if that makes any sense, and it's Jason Bateman. Hmm. Interesting. What do you think about that? I think he's kind of the uh, the straight-laced white guy in a suit. I don't know if he's weird enough. Your guys' is definitely more uh, interesting, but... I don't know if... I, I, like, you don't I, think so? I like Jason Bateman. Obviously, I like everything he's done, but... I feel like Bateman is so loosey-goosey, and Green is so uptight. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like every Jason Bateman movie, he's uptight at the beginning and then he has to loosen it up and that's the yeah. plot of the movie. That Spelling Bee movie that he, I think he wrote and directed and starred in is so funny. I only watched like the first half. I gotta finish that movie. What did you guys have for Mrs. White? For Mrs. White, I was thinking Rose Byrne in the, in the aforementioned spy movie. I think she's so good at playing straight around really funny people. Oh yeah, I mean she's 
phenomenal kind of all the time. I would not be upset with Rose Byrne. I had Aisha Tyler. This is what I went with opposite with the name Mrs. White. I went with a huge black icon and I also kind of picked her because of her relationship with her husband in The Shape of Water. It was Octavia Spencer. Ooh, Sam, you started to say Aisha Tyler? Correct. I like both. Yeah, I went with Octavia Spencer because I I just saw The Shape of Water and her husband's such a douche in it that I was like, oh, she would totally kill him. And I was like, (laughs) I was thinking of characters killing their husbands and I'm like, she would be good and she just has such a good voice, such a good narrating voice or storytelling voice for all the Mrs. White backstory if she had these husband stories to tell. I thought that that would be a good carryover. Has she done comedy though? Like she's done comedy though, right? Like what are the comedy things she's been in? Octavia Spencer. Is The Help? Does that have some comedy in it or is it? I think she brings levity (laughs) to The Help and I think she brings levity to Shape of Water. Like I think she's really good at finding warmth and humanity and levity in serious stuff. I'd like to see her stretch out and do a straight up farcical comedy. Octavia. I would like to see Octavia Spencer and Melissa McCarthy in a Spy 2 sequel. Okay, I would watch that today. I am pen pals <laughs> with Paul Feig and Allison and I just rewatched Spy not too long ago. I want to reach out to him and see if DJ and I can write a sequel on spec just to do it. When you say pen pal, do you mean literally you write a letter to him or is it all through email? <laughs> I get out my ink and quill, put it next sure. to my keyboard and then send in an email to him. My first apartment in LA was down the street from his house and he would, uh, his wife would walk her their dogs past me almost weekly. So I would kind of wave to her with my dogs and uh, someone goes, you know, that's uh, Paul Feig's wife's dogs. And I was like, no, that's fun. <laughs> Paul started as a standup and he started at the Comedy Castle in Detroit and Mark Ridley, right before I was moving to LA said, uh, oh, you know, I ought to put you in touch with Paul Feig. I think he'd be a good person for you to know. So he gave me Paul's email address and we just write back and forth periodically and he's such a warm and nice guy <laughs> that I'm bummed that while I was in LA I never said hey you want to grab coffee or something that's my Jim O'Hare story well if you guys like that you're gonna love who I picked as the joint writer director for our Clue remake because I picked Paul Feig Ooh, ooh, we didn't you know what we didn't cover Colonel Mustard we, di- we didn't cover a few things yeah we have a bunch of spots there we're jumping all over the place who did you have who did you guys have for Colonel Mustard my Colonel Mustard was uh, Jeff Bridges in full old timey Jeff Bridges mode <laughs> I feel like Jeff Bridges looks like particularly Jeff Bridges in True Grit looks like how I always imagine Colonel Mustard to look based on the era of Clue that came out when I was a kid I love that <laughs> there you go what, Who'd you what guys kind say? of bomb do you think Jeff Bridges would be building like a Iron Man type yeah. bomb right. uh, I get stuck and obsessed on weird things sometimes so having you on Ryan got me in a Chicago state of mind so I had Lady Bird's Tracy Letts who's a Steppenwolf guy. I think he's the modern day equivalent of Marty Mall, but I like Jeff Bridges a lot too. Was he the dad? Yeah, he's the dad in Lady Bird. That guy wrote August Osage County. Yes. He's awesome. My Colonel Mustard is also pretty great. It's Ted Danson. <laughs> oh, I love it. I like him as Professor Plum now that you've said his name. I don't know. It's like, it's hard to oh, talk. he would be a good Professor Plum. He would be. It, but, I mean, like between him and- Taika Waititi? No, I, I still like David Allen Greer more. Really? Yeah. I like this international cast. Like I'm really sold on Richard Iowade and Taika Waititi. Great, let's do it. Let's rock with both of those. They really need to market this new Clue remake, whatever it is. They need to market it like uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world or rat race where it's like, look at all these crazy ass actors or like Ocean's Eleven. Like, can you believe all these actors are in the same movie? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Well, also, if we are having... I will tell you that Kingsman 2, The Golden Circle tried to do that. Kingsman 2 had five Oscar best actor or actress winners in it. And it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I know, which was such a bummer because the first Kingsman was so good. It's so good. 
good. I know. Uh, the, the second one, I was like, because I remember really liking the woman who ended up being Lancelot, who got the actual job, and then they just killed her right away. I was like, no, she was so good. Such a weird sequel. Yeah. Yeah. If we're casting an international uh, an international crew to be our people, instead of having a bunch of people who work in Washington, we can have a bunch of people who work for the United Nations. So it's a murder mystery of international intrigue. Yeah, that's, that works. I like it. Well, let's knock the cook out of the way real quick. The original actress is, I did not write down her name. She's a Hawaiian actress. She was in MASH. I started thinking Brittany Young from Glow, but then I really settled on liking Calico Kawaii, who plays Sandra in the television show Superstore just because I like the idea that the cook dies without really having any lines. And I like the dynamics that Calico has in Superstore where she's really put upon. And there's a lot of times in Superstore where she steals scenes without having any lines. Like she's such a great face actress. I picked another. That's good reason. Yeah, I mean, that's great reasoning. I picked another Hawaiian. I picked, uh, no, Taylor Woylie. Who's that? When you see him, you'll recognize him. He's been in a bunch of different things. I first saw him in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Have we cast him in one of our shows before? I've never brought him up before, to my knowledge. He's a larger gentleman. Uh, he's a wine actor and former sumo wrestler and mixed martial artist. Uh, he's commonly known for his recurring role as Kamekona on Hawaii Five-0. But he's also... Um, oh, yeah. He's Seth Rogen's friend on the island in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I do not remember him at all, which is so strange because he's such a large man that you would think he would be hard to forget. I mean, I had a hard time forgetting him. Like, as soon as I thought of the cook, I was like, oh, that guy, this guy's great. He also is a good face actor and he just has the best reactions and kind of like off the cuff one lines to people he's just like yeah i'm on hey buddy like different random like one line things that he just why are you crying it's uh i just i just think he's a good comedic actor and okay we can go on the record with you wanting to take work away from a, a female actor sam sure taylor Look, I, wiley <laughs> i think uh so i think if it's a, if it's a part made famous by a samoan it should stay as a samoan i think it should be the rock he's hurting for work <laughs> I think if we cast the rockets, automatically a blockbuster, and then we kill him right away. Oh, that would be amazing. Or he does a spinoff called uh, The Cook, and it's all about uh, like Fast and the Furious spinoff. Right. Can The Rock be our Mr. Body? Oh, The Rock would be a great Mr. Body, but then you got to put like Kevin Hart as some dumb character. Like Kevin Hart would be Colonel Mustard, and you'd be like, come on. No. Wouldn't it be funny, though, to have The Rock, and then The Cook dies without having any lines? Have The Rock in oh, a movie would... just to die? The Rock is The Cook, and everyone's like, holy shit, it's the rock they advertise him on the posters he's in the trailer but he never says a line and then he ends up with a knife in his back and he's just dead that would be great i love I kind that. of love that let's do that okay love it have we decided on a wadsworth yeah it was uh alan okay, cumming yeah, we alan are going cumming. alan cumming okay cool yeah it looks like we're down to the evangelist slash chief my idea and this is one of those ideas that dates me in the movie it's played by howard hessman who was on the television series head of the class up until the last se- season when he was replaced by billy connell so my idea was cast Billy Connolly. I like it. We plays Howard Hessman one more time with the great Billy Connolly. I cast uh, Frank Oz. <laughs> okay. He's such a grouch. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's why I cast him. I think uh, my choice is Sam Elliott, just for the oldness and the mustache possibilities. Ooh. Every time someone says Sam Elliott, I always think of his entrance in Roadhouse, which I know you're <laughs> a Roadhouse guy, so... Uh... Big time. My kid's middle name is Dalton because of the movie Roadhouse. When Allison and I have a kid, our kid's middle name is going to be double douche. <laughs> Jesus. Mike Jr. Double deuce Bobbit. I love it. <laughs> 
Let's go Sam Elliott. Yeah, all right. I love it. Yeah. He shows up and he just goes like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> yeah. You know, like at the very end. Singing, singing Telegram. Who do you got? I got a perfect singing Telegram. Well, because it's Jane Weedland from the Go-Go's, I thought it would be funny to cast Gwen Stefani. But Sam, who do you have? Zoe Deschanel. Oh, that's nice too. That's not bad. I have an even smaller actress who I think actually may be the singing Telegram in the first movie. We just missed it. Kate Mulcucci from Scrubs. Oh, let's oh, cast her. And Garfunkel Sold. and Oates. Sold. Her. Everything, yes. And she opened, when they open the door, she has a ukulele instead of just singing. I mean, Hey, anytime yeah. we can shoot someone with a ukulele. That's pretty good. What about the cop, Sam? Uh, for the cop, I had an actor named Damon Gupton. He currently is playing uh, the chief of police on the new TV show, Black Lightning. And he's great. I kind of wanted to find like kind of that iconic, always plays a cop guy. And I couldn't really find that. So I went with a known cop on a show where I think he's doing a good job. Sam, do you watch any movies? I've noticed all of your choices for the last 10 episodes have all come from television shows. I picked lots of movie stars for this one. Frank Oz, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I know. My, my motorist. I'm just teasing you. I was going to go to a, screen, a WGA screening of Proud Mary this evening, but we're recording instead. Proud Mary looks good. It's supposed to be getting mixed reviews. I was going to go a television actor for the cop as well. I was thinking Dennis Haysbert, the Allstate guy, because I thought he was the quintessential cop actor. But then I started going through his IMDb credits and it looked like he's only played a cop once on three episodes of Growing pains in the 80s so i'm totally wrong <laughs> isn't he also like a like a president like he plays the president yeah. in a season of 24 i've never watched 24 neither have i i'm too busy watching motion pictures my choice for the cop was steve carell <laughs> I'm not opposed to that. He plays both roles, uh, Wadsworth and, and the cop. <laughs> but he just puts a little mustache on. Oh, that'd be so great. If we have all these powerhouses, though, can we have Steve Carell as the cop? Because we have like Oscar caliber people and box office superstars. It would feel weird to have a guy on a television show I'd never heard of. Unless you really stand by Damon Gupton. I mean, I don't know, Mike. Do you want to go on record saying that you want to take work away from black actors? Oh, definitely. Without a doubt, man. All right. Steve Carell it is. No, David Gupton could be fine. No, it's fine. I think Steve Carell's he, funny. I think it should be Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington? <laughs> yeah, de- he's not he's not doing much. <laughs> I mean, what if the singing telegram was like Ian McKellen? <laughs> oh my god, that would be amazing. with the ukulele. Like, he's like, yeah, yeah. They're like, they're like, they're like, we need you. And he's like, what? What do I have to do? And they're like, you just have to open the store, play ukulele. And he's like, all right. Uh, amazing. Um, <laughs> Steve Carell's fine. All right, who did you guys have for the motorist? I love my choice for the motorist. Dazzle us. Because it's such a small role to call back to the intro of this show, I thought it would be fun to have the Chicago kid, Ryan Buds, as the motorist. If I could be a fucking candlestick in this movie, I would do it. <laughs> and the voice of the candlestick, Ryan Buds. I would, I would love it. Be... Our guest be... We don't have the rights to that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. That sounds great for my, my, my career. I mean... But then this my, movie has to be called like... Uh, it has to have like a cheesy title like Clue NATO or something. Right. I just want when Ryan gets booked as a, a special event at comedy clubs as the star of Sharknado, I want him to have something really big besides, you know, shark attack victim number one. I want him to be yeah. motorist. He has that. <laughs> motorist, has vol- motorist has, number two. He has volcano versus airplane, Mike. God. My motorist was Cal Penn, but I don't think I can talk. Ryan Buds. Ryan Buds it 
is. All right. Sam, you were thinking Paul Feig to write and direct it? Yeah, I mean, I feel like he's kind of the perfect person to kind of capture that, like, casual, completely serious comedy. I like that, too. I I went with David Wayne, mostly because I just got done watching Feudal and Stupid Gesture, and I think it's neat the way that he deconstructed 70s and 80s camp movies with Wet Hot American Summer and romantic comedies with They Came Together and hospital shows with Children's Hospital. I thought it would be neat to have him take a stab at deconstructing remakes and movies based on games and farces. I have no idea what David Wayne would do, but I feel like David Wayne is really hit or miss for me. Paul Feig has a really solid batting average in my book. I like Paul Feig. What about you? Most listeners will probably not enjoy this response, but I think Roman Polanski would really tear up the clue <laughs> phenomenon. I think you just bring it to the next level. We are really big with pedophiles, it turns out. It's not a number that Sam and I are proud of, but for some reason, pedophiles love our show. I'm not familiar with that term. What does it have to do with Roman Polanski? He's, I think he's a, a fantastic director. Oh, um, I think it's Bicycle Enthusiast. Oh, very yeah. good. So yeah, either Roman Polanski or uh, Kevin Smith, either one of those two. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Kevin Smith is technically proficient enough to do something this madcap and zany with all of the really technical choreography really you know particularly in the third act of this like Kevin Smith will be the first one to say that he's just kind of a lock down the camera and shoot the scene kind of guy where I think Paul Feig is just more of a technically accomplished filmmaker I think you're right about that so Paul Feig before we recap this we mentioned it earlier in the episode but we didn't decide on this when do we want to put this movie did we decide in the 1920s the roaring 20s was the United Nations around in the 20s I don't know my world history well enough it was not if we were doing the United Nations it would have to be like 60s, 70s, 80s, one of those times. So, I mean, we could put it again in the 50s. I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, why why fix it if it's not broken? Yeah, I like the 50s just because I don't know a ton about it because I didn't live through it. So I think it's better than making it modern. Well, listen, guys, as a man who did live through the 50s. (laughs) (laughs) You old bitch. (laughs) Yeah, let's stick with 1954. But let's do like Sam said and have this be more of an international instead of a a Washington, D.C. based motives for everything. Let's have this be more international espionage being the basis for the blackmail. I'm down with that. Works for me. All right. Anything else, Sam? My last question was, even though they're pretty much set out in the uh, in the actual board game, is there an additional weapon that you think would be better? No, let's stick to the classics. All right. We have Paul Feig's Clue starring Alan Cumming as Wadsworth the butler, Margot Robbie as the maid, The Rock as the cook, and then our six guests, we have Jeff Bridges as Colonel Mustard, Octavia Spencer as Mrs. White, Jamie Lee Curtis as Mrs. Peacock, Taika Waititi as Professor Plum, Scar Joe, Scarlett Johansson as Miss Scarlet, Richard Ayoade as Mr. Green, Willem Dafoe as Mr. Body, the Evangelist slash Chief is Sam Elliott, who I still think should roll up on a motorcycle in New England mansion. <laughs> uh, the Singing Telegram is Kate Micucci, the Cop is Damon Gupton, and the Motorist is our guest, Ryan Buds. Hey! Yeah, yeah. Do it. Yay! So, Ryan, where can everyone find you on Line. I am Ryan Buds, R-Y-A-N-B-U-D-D-S on all social media. And you can also find me at Trivia with Buds, B-U-D-D-S dot com. Two episodes a week now. Two episodes a week, full episode, 45 minutes to an hour every Tuesday and like a 10 to 15 minute just trivia episode, no interview on the episode and one topic on Thursday. So Tuesday, Thursday, new episodes, 80 something episodes to listen to. If you're on a road trip, go back and uh, entertain yourselves. And if you live in the greater Los Angeles area, you should really check out Trivia with Buds live. Ryan's all over the place and it is such a fun night out. I've never experienced trivia in a way that Ryan
Ryan has his regulars. They follow him around. It is just such a fun community on top of being a really well-produced trivia night. Thanks a lot, Mike. I appreciate that plug. Sam, what do you have coming up? We're recording this on February 9th. So in two days, on February 11th, I'll be recording a short I wrote called The Couch, which is going to be super interesting and exciting. And I'm really looking forward to filming that. I'm going to be guesting on a couple of podcasts. But if you're interested in finding out more about those, you should follow me on Twitter, which is at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H. And Mike, you're a hip and happening guy. Tell us about your presence on the internet. I have a bunch of shows coming up around the Metro Detroit area. I'm hitting the road a little bit more doing stand-up. So come watch me say dirty words into a microphone. If you enjoyed listening to Ideal Remake, if you wouldn't mind telling a friend to listen, that would be the best gift in the world that we could give you. And the next time Mike sees you, he will just give you a big kiss on the mouth. Probably. And I'm always getting over a cold, so you'll probably get a couple of sick days. Also, a big shout out to our Facebook group that is super active and a lot of fun. There are so many great conversations going on there. I really enjoy the high point of my day sometimes is going to our Facebook group. Ideal Remake on Facebook. Check it out. Ryan, thank you so much for being our guest. You are one of the people that I wanted on right from the beginning, and I'm so glad that we finally made it happen. You are one of the hardest working people I've ever met, and it is a privilege and honor and a pleasure to be your friend. Mike, uh, everything you just said, right back at you. Sam, you as well. Thanks so much, guys, for having me on. I love Clue, and I hope you loved us talking about Clue. When you uh, get the role as the motorist and you start signing autographs at comic book conventions, can I be sort of like your Virgil to your Ted DiBiase? You can, but I'm going to knock Ryan Reynolds out. I'm going to be Wadsworth in this bitch. You do have kind of a a Ryan Reynolds quality about you. You're a handsome man. Well, after Clue, we did Van Wilder as our senior play. 